Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 242 of Yogaland. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm fine. You are more than fine. Right I'm now. more than fine. Do you want to talk about why? There's a chihuahua in my lap. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's not often the case for you. Why don't you put salt in that wound? Sorry. <laughs> my filter is down because I'm yeah. focusing on the podcast. That's okay. So today we're going to talk more about the reasons that we do yoga. I just felt like it couldn't really be encapsulated in one conversation. So you mean gonna... there's more than three? There are, yeah. There, there are more than three reasons that we love this practice. But before we do that, we wanted to mention that you've got another workshop coming up. Yeah, I have an online injury management training. And I've done it before. I taught this last year. I mean, I've taught this training many times, but online, I taught it last year. And I am going to launch it again in the end of November. Currently, we have a wait list. Yeah. Uh, okay, that wait list doesn't mean that it's full. That wait list means... Join you're wait, our email. You're waiting list. until it's open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you get <laughs> then you get first access to registration and all the information as it rolls out. Probably yeah. well, certainly by the time that this podcast is due. The wait list is available oh, yes. by the time mm-hmm. people this is due. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So go to our website and you'll find the webs and you'll find the wait list. Yeah. And the website is new. And you'll find a brand new website. Finally, we got a good designer. It's I know she's the best. She's amazing. Yeah. Her name is Moi. Andrea. As Miss Piggy T. Says. Farida. Remember, I just said Farida. I know. Why did you say that? Because my brain is, I'm really I having a hard a time joke. with my brain today. <laughs> yes, you are. I really am. Remember when are I you said- you going to call me a Farida burrito? A Farida burrito. Did we already tell that story on the podcast? No, we haven't. I went to um, to get a burrito. Kind of a hipster burrito place. Yeah. One you pay, it's like fine, but it's too small and more too expensive. Uh-huh. But there's like one ingredient. It's, it's actually really good. It's Anyways. delicious, but it is a hipster burrito. Place. So I went to order a fajita burrito. And I ordered a fajita burrito. No, you said a farita burrito. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Farita burrito. I said, I'll take a farita burrito. And you said the person behind the cash register just looked at you like, whatever. Yeah. Like, didn't even laugh. And I, like, I, there are times where I think that. Like what I said, I think was unintentionally really funny. So I laughed and made a joke about it, but the person wasn't really interested. I don't remember if it was a man or woman, but they were not amused. It was a woman and she she was not interested. <laughs> She's not interested in your your geriatric shenanigans. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. <laughs> That's the thing. It's not even noticeable that something weird would come I out know, of our mouths now because we're just sort of disappearingly middle-aged. Anyway, not to be a downer, the website is amazing. Yeah, if I good. don't... If I do say so myself, I'm going to toot my own horn, but I will also say that we are still a mom and pop business. We just have a few people who we work with. And so there are still a few little kinks to work out. And, you know, this is actually a good opportunity for me. I was thinking about this in the middle of the night last night as all my brilliant thoughts come to me that someone said to me recently, uh, someone on a student and she was reaching out to me on Instagram and said like, gosh, you do so much. How do you do it all? I don't do it all. I don't do it all. I just do the best I can. And we really value our family life and we value our quiet life. So we don't have like a big booming business. We don't have a bunch of people working under us. We don't have funding. We don't have things like that because we just kind of live life the way we want to live it. And that means that we just do the best that we can. And sometimes there are going to be kinks on the website. How do you like how I tie that in my... I love it. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) The fact that there might be some mistakes. People go (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, but we do do a lot, and I will say that. Yeah. Okay. So, no, so but let's own this for a second. Okay. And can I can I get into the topic of the podcast? No. I'm going to. You can't. I have to read people's responses. That's fine. But I'm going to get into the topic of the podcast as a way of answering this. Okay. Which is we try to stay focused. You know what I mean? Like a, a primary reason that I stay with yoga is that yoga helps me stay on track. Hmm. And it helps us, I think, see what is valuable in life and what is not valuable. And when I find myself doing things that I don't actually care about and that don't bring me satisfaction, I try to stop and redirect my focus and focus on doing something that I care about. Mm -hmm. So I think that you and I are pretty good from a, like a business perspective on developing content because we focus on developing content mm -hmm. and we stay steadfast with that. You know what I mean? So, so that's, that's kind of my point is yoga in so many ways is about the facilitation of concentration and focus over time. Mm -hmm. And I think the only way you get anything done, we don't get everything done, right? But what we do get done, I think, in large part, our efficiency and our consistency is because through this practice, we've learned to stay pretty consistent and disciplined. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. And it wasn't, I wasn't actually saying I don't do it all as in any way to be self-deprecating. I, I meant it in a sincere way that I don't think I don't think you have to feel pressure to do it all. That's why I brought that up. Well, I also think, I think this sentiment behind someone stating that is everyone, everyone has an, has things on their agenda that they just don't get to, mm -hmm. you know, our mental agenda and our mental expectations, they're almost never commensurate with what we actually do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably the way the mind is wired. Like the mind is probably wired to have a much a much broader aperture of demand. And then in reality, we don't actually have to do all those things. True. Yeah. True. But we are pretty prolific in content. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that we redesign, that you redesigned the website is not because the design was not nice. It's because too much of our content was too hard to find. Mm -hmm. That we actually have so much content on the site that it wasn't the site wasn't optimized for people to find the stuff. Yeah, it wasn't uh, packaged the way. Yeah, quite a, quite the way I wanted it to be packaged at yeah. this point. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about. So last episode, I asked people to submit ideas for my sort of tagline at the top of the show. I said, if you had to think of three ways to describe Yoga Land, what would they be? And I was surprised that I didn't get any really funny ones. But the thing that was so sweet and heartening was several people used the word healing. And that made me so happy huh. because I, that I've, of course, I think that growing as a person facilitates healing. And I think that yoga facilitates growth. So of course, I think that yoga has a possibility for, to facilitate healing for people in lots of different ways on lots of different levels. But I had never distinctly thought about that this podcast facilitates healing. It made me so happy. You know what's interesting to me? Like the podcast that I listen to, I'm kind of in a podcast route, but the podcast that I listen to, God, this sounds kind of weird and it's almost sad, but those voices are like company for me. 
Mm-hmm. You know true. what I mean? Those, you know, so it's almost like it, I think, I think it is, especially when you have people who are more personable, you either, you either are into that person or not in that person. But if you resonate with a personality that is more personable, yeah, you feel like you know them because they are speaking transparently and sincerely about their experience. I th- and I think there's something very human that we connect with about that. And so I, my guess is, is it's not like we have a bunch of topics that are overtly how yoga heals, heals this right? or that, yeah. But I think it's maybe it's the, it's the unspoken companionship. Yeah, it yeah made me really happy. A lot of people also mentioned the words community and connection, which yeah, also sure. made me so happy because that's definitely what we intend to do. But you never know when you're putting stuff out there, whether it's written content, spoken content, video content. You don't often get the chance to feel what people are feeling. You don't, you never know how it's going to be received. So that made me happy. And then the last word that came up several times that made me happy was heart. That made me happy too. And I'll just. That makes me very uncomfortable. I know it does, which is great because it's no, it a it podcast. That's true. <laughs> but I will say another one that I thought was accurate and also sweet and cute at the same time was from Sarah Kimball. Do you remember Sarah? Of course. Yeah. She, yeah. she sent in. This podcast is about teaching yoga, marriage, and changing cultural mindsets. All right. I'll yeah, take that. Yeah. 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 I love, I love the changing cultural mindsets. And I don't think we intentionally make it about marriage, but I'm sure it is. It comes up. Let's face it. Okay. So let's get to the topic at hand. Which I- I'm already there. I already dropped I know, number you one. You dropped number one. Okay. So yours is that it keeps you, you know, it has facilitated focus in your life. It is facilitated focus as, and as someone that struggles with that because of my neurotype, it is not the only thing that helps me with focus, but the physicality of this discipline helps me stay focused. And also the teachings of this practice that are are often very rooted in consistency and adamancy over time, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. you could look at any it can be anywhere from Patanjali's work to any of the Hatha Yoga Sutras. There are multiple teachings about the need for consistency and adamancy over time. And I just reflect on that very regularly of hold the line, hold the course, be yeah, consistent. That's true. Be consistent, show up. That's true. And one of my first teachers, Josh Feinblum of all people. Oh, nice. You know, he used to say this to us all the time, like, just show up. Yeah. Just, as a student, show up. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you want to be here or not here or whatever, show up. Mm-hmm. Same thing as a teacher. I've never not shown up. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I'm always on it. It doesn't mean I'm always clear. It doesn't. I'm a human, mm-hmm. so I'm not always like a pure, clear vessel, but I show up and I've always shown up. Mm-hmm. You, I, I will say, I will reflect back to you that that is a really great trait of yours. And it's great not be, because I think you're, you're underscoring that it's not about showing up and expecting it to be the same every time or expecting it to be, have, you know, to achieve something every time. It's simply about the magic is actually in the consistency. It's in the consistency. And you've been really good for me with me about that in terms of nutrition and other forms of exercise because since, you know, post cancer, nutrition became really important and 
this is not a popular thing to talk about, but medically my weight became really important. Like my yeah, doctors yeah, are yeah. always very, very yeah. in tune with my weight because when you have estrogen fueled cancer, it, you know, you store yeah. estrogen in your fat cells. So it's just like always been a topic for me. And I'm not commenting on my own weight right now. I'm just no, saying, no, no, no. Understood. But you have always been Th- there like. There are medical truths. Yeah. And well, yeah. And anyway, so you've always just been like, you know, you don't worry about this or that. Just keep showing up for yourself. Like, and and that has helped me so much in doing things that are healthy for myself without feeling stressed that they I have to be perfect. Yeah. You just have to keep going and be consistent. So. I like that one. So here's the thing is when we think about consistency, you don't have to focus on consistency of outcomes, right? Meaning it's not like every time you show up for your practice, the outcome is always the same, right? It's not like every time you show up for your workout, the outcome is the same. Mm -hmm. It's not about consistency of perfection of outcomes. It's about consistency of input, Mm -hmm. right? So it's about the consistency of regularly being there for the thing and acknowledging sometimes on one day that thing, you're going to feel amazing and the outcomes are going to feel great. And the other time it's, you're not, Mm -hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to want to do it. Yeah. So it's not the consistency of the outcome. It's the consistency of the input. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can hang your hat on that. You can really feel good about that regardless of the outcome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, so here's how unfocused I am. Before we started this podcast, I said, well, did I say these three last time or these three? Because I always have lists that are just miles long. So I have my miles long list here. Okay. And I'm hoping that I'm not repeating myself. I hope you are repeating yourself. <laughs> I promise you because that Because as a teacher, I believe in repetition. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Okay, so I'm going to say, I'm looking at my list. I'm picking from my list. And I'm going to say, sorry. You're really buying yourself time. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. This is how I do it too as a yoga teacher. So someone will ask a question. I'll know I need to buy some time, right? And so I start to filibuster for a little while. Okay. You know, they'll ask a question about the sake. I'll be like, well, let me, let me just, let's just talk for a second about eccentric strength. Wow. So here's what eccentric, and all, all the way, all, and all, but it doesn't even about eccentric strength. Right, right. I'm filibustering until yes. I can figure that thing out. Yes. Well, what I have written down is related to another thought I had. And so what I've written down is that it allows me to live life on my own terms because it's given me an inner home. Hmm. And so I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, how I learned early on about this idea of having an inner altar, especially while meditating. And I, that resonated with me so much. Like I literally imagined a space, you know, in, in my upper body that was just like this open, calm, steadfast, sacred place. And it was mine. I didn't have to like go to church to access it. I didn't have to ask a therapist. I didn't have to get approval from someone. I didn't have to feel like I'm not good enough or I'm not spiritual enough or I'm not whatever. Like it's there and, or I'm not calm enough, right? Because I have this, I've always had a narrative that I'm like an anxious, nervous person. It's like, no, I might be on the surface. I might walk around in my life. You know, my amygdala might be firing all the time, but I still have this space inside that is steadfast and just essence and calm. And I can go there when I need to go there. 
And having that, you know, shift in my mindset gave me so much more trust in myself and my ability to do things. I think we all grow up with narratives that either we create or our families create. And I was the baby in my family. I was the baby in my nuclear family. And then I was the baby of 16 cousins. And the joke was that like when, you know, we spent family vacations and Christmases and holidays with the cousins, the joke was that my feet didn't touch the ground until I was about nine years old because I was always being carried around and picked up and coddled. And so like in addition to me feeling like a fairly nervous person as a little kid, I was also really treated like okay, well, Andrea can't do that yet. Well, Andrea can't know that yet. And so it really like those things like color your perspective on yourself and you really have to consciously or with some assistance for, I don't know, for me anyway, I really had to shift that in order to come into like, oh, I have the agency to be able to make this happen in my life. I have the agency to be like a good mother. And like, I know what I'm doing, even though no mother knows what they're doing. No parent knows what they're doing, but, but you know, you have instincts for your own life and your own child. So yeah, that's, that's my, you just hinged. You just on the crux of a Patanjali argument, right? Pardon the brief grammar moment and pardon that this grammar moment is gender specific and, and some people may not appreciate it, but take that up with Sanskrit and not me. Purusha means the man that inhabits the city, the man that inhabits the city. And so there is this, dialectic in a way between Purusha and Prakriti. And Purusha is that which is unchangeable, the man that inhabits the city. Everything else is Prakriti, everything else is temporary. That f- whether we call it Purusha and Prakriti, but that that timeless, quiet, still place within, everyone has it. Mm-hmm. It's just that for some people it's more inaccessible. And for some people it's more accessible. Mm-hmm. And so the teachings of yoga are to gain access to that which is already there, mm-hmm. right? Is to, to be able to kind of find that home. And what you bring up is, is uh, another point for me, which is I think yoga has always, it's always been a practice that has taught me that I am the one that has the agency, mm-hmm. that I am mm-hmm. the one that has the agency. And related to that, I was thinking about this the other day is, if I am ever sitting around thinking about what someone else should have done, that's my mistake, right? That's my mistake. That's a really, yeah, I like that. That's my issue. Mm-hmm. So because this this teaching is, it, it teaches you that it's not that you are separate. Clearly, we're not separate. But this practice fundamentally teaches us that we are the one that have direct access or direct agency to transcendence, right? But also to the behaviors and the practices that help us be well. And so this isn't to say that there aren't cultural and social factors that impact people's ability or inability to do certain things. There are massive external factors that people face. Yeah. And that being said... Yoga is about doing the things that we do to take self, self-ownership self and self-agency of ourselves in this lifetime and to take that as a responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. I take it as a responsibility. 
I was doing, um, he's probably listening, he listens, uh, Stephen Willard, who's a student of mine in Charleston. Um, and I was doing his podcast yesterday. And we were kind of talking about the role that a teacher has, the responsibility that a teacher has for safety in a classroom. And like, of course, right? But I was, I kind of gave, brought this up. I said, but we share that responsibility. Like we share that responsibility with the student. And I said, the student, I said, imagine that I decided I wanted to learn how to run. Like I wanted to become a runner. I'm 47. I decide I want to become a runner for whatever reason. And so I buy a pair of shoes and I go to the running studio and I go to the running studio and I know nothing about running and there's a bunch of different kinds of running. And one of them is level two sprinting. And I decide I want to do that one. And I go to that level two sprinting and I'm heaving after two minutes. I can barely stand. And tomorrow my hamstrings hurt. Whose responsibility is that? Mine. I went to the sprinting class. Should that teacher have been like, okay, this guy just came in who's like totally ill-equipped to be here. So I'm going to make sure that everyone does this class, but I want it to be super, super safe for the person that didn't read the sign. So I am going to like, we're going to make this a slow walking class instead of a sprinting class. That's not the teacher's responsibility. So obviously in yoga as teachers, we have a massive responsibility, but all of us have self-agency too. And we have a certain amount of responsibility to say, oh, I put myself in a situation where unknowingly I kind of compromise myself. That doesn't mean I should quit, but that also means maybe I need to revise and take a different class or go to a, a different pace or a different style or a different intensity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I went further down that road than I thought. <laughs> That's okay. Do you want to do the next one? Sure. Okay. Okay. So this is not, okay, how do I phrase this? This is not the word that usually comes out of my mouth, ever. And, and I almost need to qualify it because when I say it, the people that know me really well, the people that my students that know me really well, but not completely, will be like, wait a second. He just threw a word out, which is community. I was actually going to say the same one. Yeah. And so here's what I mean by this. So here's where this might be surprising to some people, right? Is I'm not the most social person outside of the yoga class. I'm not. I never have been. There have been times, like we have had friendship groups, you know, that after my Saturday morning classes a long time ago, we go get coffee and so forth. But I'm not chit-chatty with a bunch of students before class or after class. I'm pretty clear. I'm pretty boundaried with everything that I do. And I don't make social plans with the vast majority of my students for about a thousand different reasons. But I really care about them. It means a lot to me that they show up. I know they care about me. I know it means a lot to them that I show up. So, and the other thing is like, I don't do a bunch of overt community building things, you know, like back in the old school Anyasara days, of which I was never really a part, but there was the partner pose, you know what I mean? There was, there was those things that were more overtly kind of designed and developed for people to meet each other and to kind of build overt community. But I always think about the covert community. That those unspoken bonds of us just being in the same place at the same time, 
sharing this thing in our own way that we really resonate with, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm letting go of my, I've had this longstanding Zoom class uh, that was pretty much just for students of Love Story Yoga back in the day, and I'm letting go of it. And some of those people have, they've been, they're my community. They have been for a long period of time. Yeah. And I'm not going to disappear. There's still other avenues by which we'll, we'll engage, but it's really important to me in part, well, like one more thing too, right? Which is, I think about, you know, we moved from San Francisco, but when you live in a city, you're most of the time happy that city's there, even if you're not spending that much time doing those things. Like I was always happy that Golden Gate Park was there, that MoMA was there, that the restaurants were there, even if I didn't necessarily want to go to them right now. It's, it's nice, still nice to know they're there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing as like, well, I don't necessarily need to go have a Farida burrito with a student right now, <laughs> yeah. but I think we're glad that we're there, yeah. that we're in each other's yeah. sphere. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's the, the last thing that I'll comment on today. It's yeah. just that those people and that, those relationships. Well, it's so interesting because community was one of mine too. And I think you and I are so similar in terms of community in that we've never, well, you kind of had skateboarding and punk rock and I had, you know, dance, but outside of those things, like we've never been cookie cutter fit into one specific community. And we've never had like one specific church group that we've gone to or anything like that. And so I've always felt like, I guess I'm just not really a community person. But as I've gotten older, what I've learned, and part of this is actually getting to know more about neurotype and neurodivergency and things like that, is that community is experienced differently by different people. Yeah. So for some people, community is doing the partner poses and then getting together after class and having a coffee and having a drink and there's 10 people there and everybody's laughing and it's loud. And community for other people, and I'll say this is, I am one of these people, is about having a sense of belonging while just being able to be myself, which a lot of the time is pretty quiet. And a lot of the time, and so it's like, I think that that's the kind of community you're talking about, that covert community and that community that kind of creates itself. So like the people that come to mind for me, our friend and your student, Lauren, she creates like such a great overt community and she's so loud and funny and we just adore her and she makes sure people stay in touch. And then there's like most of the other people that in in your classes are just like quiet, but they're there and they show up and they feel a sense of belonging. And I just want to underscore that this is really important to all types of people to feel like they have a place and to feel like they belong. I see this with my nephew who's autistic he comes over for family events and he doesn't necessarily chit chat. He doesn't even always stay in the same room with us. If he wants to watch sports, he's like off watching sports. He's doing his own thing. He's talking to the TV. He's yelling at the TV. He's like pacing back and forth. He's, he goes at it. He's so he's, adorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so devoted. College, college college game day is a stressful day for him. It's really stressful. He's got to take a nap afterward <laughs> if his team loses. But you know what? He loves our family yeah, because he yeah. knows he belongs yeah. and he doesn't have to be anyone else. He doesn't have to be the life of the party. He doesn't have to be the best at small talk and asking how we're doing. He's just gets to be himself. Yeah. So I just, I guess for all of you out there who long for that feeling of belonging or who are trying to create spaces in your yoga rooms, just know that 
it does not everybody is going to express it the same way. And I bet you're making a lot of people feel like they belong just by letting them be themselves. Yeah. You know, last thing I'll comment on is in all my 300 hour trainings, whether they're live or in person, this is what I've, I've said on day one at the beginning, of every module all the time. And I repeat it throughout. I say, look, my training was so long and it, it took me six months before I asked, I, I was, it was a thousand hours, right? It, I, it was at least 500 hours before I asked the first question. And the only reason I asked the first question is because I was more or less forced to ask a question on that day. So I always tell people, some of you, because of your personality type, are going to be more overtly outgoing. You're going to ask me questions. You're going to have like side conversations with others. And you're going to be like best friends with someone that lives in Singapore that you've never met before now within the next month. Others of you might go 300 hours without asking a question. You might not become best friends with someone, but you're here. Both of those personality types are equally valuable. Both of those personality types are engaging. I say, look, I want you all to know that I see you all. Whether or not you're more outgoing or less outgoing, that doesn't, to my mind, impact how I think you are engaging with the process. Mm -hmm. Some people quietly engage with the process. Some people not quietly engage with the process, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So knowing myself, I think one of the reasons I understand that is because my personality as a student is very different than my personality as a teacher. That's so interesting. I didn't know that about you. In your yeah, training. as a student, I'm really introverted. Mm. Even training jujitsu, I'm really quiet. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm teaching the thing, I don't shut up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when I'm not teaching the thing, I'm in a completely different mode. Mm-hmm. But you kind of know that a little bit just from our life, right? You know, there's yeah, times where I'm for like, sure. But I didn't know that about asking questions in class. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I would. That, that I'm less shy now mm-hmm. than I would. Like if I have a question, I mm-hmm. wouldn't stuff it down. Mm-hmm. But my my mode, mm-hmm. my like engine mode, in student mode and teacher mode are very different modes. Mm-hmm. Very different. I mean, modes. I'm similar in terms of being on the podcast and interviewing people, yeah. and then meeting people in real life. Sometimes yeah. when we would go to Love Story, and like students would come, oh my gosh, blah blah blah, and start talking to me. I go blank. I'm yeah. like, hi, hi. Oh, hi. I, I don't do small talk. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I get it. All right. Well, let's stop there. Yeah. And as always, thanks for the conversation. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out our new website. You know the URL is jasonyoga.com, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you enjoy the podcast, you can also leave a rating or review on iTunes. And also, just so you know, on the new website, there are a few collections of podcasts now. So I'll be rolling more out as I get more organized and ready. But for now, there is a content marketing collection. There's a yoga anatomy collection and there's a yoga teaching yoga online collection that you can check out that are several podcasts that we've done on those topics over the years. And I hope they're super helpful to you. Oh my goodness. There's another ding. It's time for me to go until next week. Enjoy your practice. Mm-hmm.